results of our giveaway. Thank you to the handful of people who responded to the question, what song was Edward singing under his breath in the meadow? Um, and the winner of our giveaway, the winner of the, um, the tote bag and the two bound journals is Cassidy Eckloff. You won. Yay! You commented work it by Missy Elliott. And you were correct. <laughs> that, it, that is indeed what Edward was singing under his breath. Robert Pattinson told me so. So Cassidy, we will DM you on Instagram. Thank you for engaging with our page and hopefully listening to our episodes. How is Robert, by the way? He's awesome. Um, yeah, and he thinks I'm really cool and like really pretty and stuff. So, Jason, I'm glad you're here. Yes, this is exciting. Hey. Very and it's it is Jason, not Jacob. <laughs> I don't. I was not under the influence. Like I was stone cold sober, and it like rolled off my tongue. I was like. Hey, Jason, so happy to have you. And I was like, hang on a so moment. So easy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was about, but yeah. Jason, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, Jason mm -hmm. sent the funniest message. It was just like, hello, I have, hello, I have seen some of the Twilight movies. I have never read the books. I would like to be on your podcast. <laughs> Perfect. You're hired. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. you are hired. All I can think about is Midnight Mass, which I know we're not talking about today, but I just have to. We say have. It. We should. We should do we, a whole bonus episode. We about should. Mass. Yeah, yeah I think, next one. Yeah, our next do. one. I like while it's still fresh in my mind. I have so much to fucking say. Jason, have you watched it? Midnight Mass. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's new. It just came out. It's on Netflix. It's very very good. Do you do you two like do you two like kind of like scary stuff? I can't remember. I I like scary stuff. It's it's hard for me to watch scary stuff because it really it really sticks with me. Um, mm. and I don't I don't like how it sticks with me, but I like the thrill of it. I like the thrill yeah. of watching person. Charlotte's not too big into scary stuff. Um, I st I think at some point I think I'm gonna eventually talk her into watching The Shining with me because it's such a good movie. Mm, I, I yeah. think I think you know. We can get through that one, but like like Hereditary, that still is st that is still the scariest thing I've ever seen, and I'll never watch it again. I loved it, and I will, but I still won't watch it again. That one, that one fucked me up. Yeah. If you're fe if you're feeling brave, I would say give Midnight Mass a chance, but it did scare me. Gabby, did it scare you? Um, I felt like you were kind of unfazed. Okay, it's weird. I have a hard time with horror genre. Because mm -hmm. I never feel like I'm as affected by it as any of my other friends who watch things. Like, I don't feel like a scary movie has ever really fucked me up. Um, wow. It, I feel like I did not feel that way after Hereditary. I would watch it again wow. easy right before oh bed. Gosh. Like, I don't know. Um, I love them. I love scary movies. And there are moments where I'll be like, oh, that's like a scary thing. But my body, I'm not like oh i am scared it's more like analytically i'm like oh. oh that that would be terrifying if that really happened to me <laughs> oh my gosh i didn't know this about you i definitely yeah, watched some, some scenes of midnight mass like this is it about vampires oh. maybe 
Okay. Okay. There was there was only one moment where I did that, and it was a moment towards the end where they went into a place, and it was dark, and they just had a lighter. Then the lighter went out, and then it was black, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a jump scare, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was the one time during it that I, like, covered my eyes, because I was like, oh, I don't want to... I don't want to jump scare when the light comes back on. I'm always afraid it's going to be like a terrifying face. I think that's what I don't like is scary faces. That's so stick in my mind too. Yeah, 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 like um, like The Exorcist. Um, that I haven't even seen that movie, but I've like seen the clips. I've seen like the, you know, like like the the that viral maze game from way back, the Flash game, where like you're halfway through level three of four and then it pops up. Yeah. can't stop yeah. those things and i know it's a like it's you know it's a great movie everyone loves it but i'll never watch it i have a hot take and i don't think the exorcist is like that good i think it was like really good for its time but like i feel like there are some movies that were good for their time that still hold up like the i hate to use this example but like rosemary's baby fuck roman plansky but rosemary's baby I think, like, holds up. Psycho, I think, is still scary, like, to this day. I didn't think The Exorcist was very scary, but th- but she does have a, a terrifying face, yeah. Yeah. And, like, the face of the demon and shit, when you do yeah. see it, is also, like, really fucked up. But otherwise, I think it's just, oh. like, a kind of a slow burn, like, drama. <laughs> um, well, welcome, Jason. So glad you're here. On that note, what... Okay, talk to us about your exposure and experience with Twilight or with vampires at all. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so so very recently, Charlotte rewatched uh, Charlotte, my my lovely dear wife, rewatched Aww. the whole series, and I was I was present for most of that. Um, and so, and because of that, I've kind of I've like seen it all now. Before then, I had already seen the first one, maybe twice. The second one. And then I had seen bits and pieces of Breaking Dawn Part One, and then I I, I had mm-hmm. seen Breaking Dawn Part Two all the way through, and I like vividly remember it for some reason, even though it's so long ago. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen Number Three, so I never got exposure to like the true Edward versus Jacob drama. Ah! It really, yeah. Why? Or like when Victoria comes yeah. back, like I never knew. I just missed the whole. I was like, where did that redhead go? And then never came back. Um, <laughs> but beyond Twilight, not a lot of exposure to vampires. Um, but I think I've developed a taste for them uh, recently. Um, you know, playing playing through the Curse of Strahd module in Dungeons and Dragons definitely yes. got me into a, a gothic horror setting, and now now I'm reading through it again. Um, and then I read. I Strahd, Memoirs of a Vampire. That was a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... For those listening, Jason, Aaron, and I were in a D&D campaign together where we played Curse of Strahd. We've referenced it before on the podcast, but now we have Jason in the, in the flesh. Yes. Oh, and lastly, I'm saying this out loud to remind myself, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I still have never seen it, the movie I mean, and I've never read the original book, but they're on my list now. I think because of Curse of Strahd. Um, yeah, because I've listened to the soundtrack many times and I love it and I just, I need to watch it. 
And Castlevania too. Yeah. Oh. Castlevania's really good. The show, yeah. We gotta do an episode on Castlevania, Gabby. I feel like we both do I love it so much. Have to finish it first. Oh, okay. Let me know when you do. I really liked that last season. So you have a I feel like you have a good amount of experience, Jason, as opposed to some of our other guests who are like zilch vampire yeah, I, knowledge. I, yeah. I well I had some context, at least for this story. I just kind of jumped right mm-hmm. in to chapter 14. Right. Um and then I and but there is a lot of stuff that wasn't in the movie, of course. And then on my drive down to to Fayetteville, I yesterday I listened to your previous episode with um, the wonderful Jacob Bernardo, and uh, and that Shout that out. helped out a lot too. Ah! Yeah. Isn't our podcast so fun? Don't you just love it? It's so it? funny. <laughs> it's so funny. Don't you want to tell like all of your friends? No. Um, and theories and yeah. We just really like talking about vampires. Yeah. Yeah. I started the one with your sister as well. Oh, and I, I, I just love the whole the, that how the atmosphere changes. She's just so chill. Haley was really chill. She's very yeah. chill, and very they also hate Stephanie Meyer like so much. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's dive in to chapters fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen of yes. Twilight. So, so what just happened was the big meadow scene where we see Edward's sparkling refractive skin, his flesh, and he kisses Bella and she becomes like very horny and is trying to like really go for it. And he's like, um, no, not today, my friend. And then they get in the car and they drive back from this hike. Um, it is now evening. And then we get into chapter 14, Mind Over Matter. So Edward returns Bella to her home. She eats lasagna because she literally has not eaten anything all day. She also drinks milk with it, which I find very disturbing. But we can get into that later. Um, and then Charlie goes home, so Edward has to hide. Charlie suspects that Bella is maybe planning to sneak out because she's very keyed up due to all of her horniness for Edward. And she makes this really big spectacle about going to bed and, uh, you know, shows Charlie that she's like in pajamas and her hair is wet so that he does not suspect that she's sneaking out. But little does he know, Edward is upstairs in her bedroom where he is not supposed to be. um, And he's going to stay with her overnight, which is something he has apparently been doing for weeks. He reveals he has been watching her sleep without her consent. Um, And then they're just kind of hanging out. Bella kind of asks in a very veiled way if he is like sexually attracted to her and maybe they could fool around a little bit. And he's like, no. And then they go to sleep. Oh, he sings her to sleep. Excuse me. Yeah. A very, very sweet lullaby. Um, Okay, Jason, what are your takes on this chapter? Oh, the second I started reading this, I thought, is Stephanie Meyer, like, actually a good author? Like, she, is she a good writer? Because I, I think I was just, maybe I, 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 was, I, sh- I wasn't as forgiving as I should have been right off the bat, because, like, the first sentence I read, I had an issue with it. Um, but then as I kept reading, I was like, okay, no, it, yeah, she's just, this is strangely format. Like, the first sentence just has weird 
syntax and i don't know i was expecting like <laughs> i know it's a ya novel and everyone was like i don't know i was the, just expecting... the first sentence is he, he could drive well when he kept the speed <laughs> reasonable i had to admit yeah and like that's, that's a minor thing but like I, i'm no writer but i would format that sentence so many other ways before ending on that one also just like none none of the writing feels like it's in the mind of a 17 year old guy. No. <laughs> none of it. None, none of, it. of it. No, it's like their interpretations of how a teenager thinks. Yes. From a Mormon perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From a like what woman Mormon woman in like her 40s or something, 30s at the yeah. time. It was pretty um so it shocked me how how quickly it seemed like it's chapter 14 and they're already like, she's, she's in love. She is enraptured, both of them. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just didn't like remember it really moving that fast. Maybe it was like the actor performances in the movie, but. Yeah, it relies a lot on the like, the unsaid things because I had a similar reaction. I mean, obviously I've read this book a lot, uh, many times, but it seems because we're not really getting like Edward's perspective on things. Cause I think he only says once like, Oh, you could tell Jessica that we're dating. I, I suppose, I guess if you want to, you could tell her we're dating. Like, but other than that, you know, it's like, they like each other. Of course, you know, they're hanging out and he's kissing her, but I totally agree with you, Jason, that I think it is a little bit jarring. That is like, Oh, you're like completely in love with each other. Alright. She phrases her love in very dramatic ways. Uh, when when is it? Is it in this chapter or later when I can't remember now? Um, I think it's the next chapter when they like actually say the words. Like, oh. Well, I, I, I was you. talking about I was talking about when she when he talks about um them being boyfriend and girlfriend and she's like, Well, I thought we were more. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Or what? <laughs> Married? You're not. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, how does she want to introduce him? Like, this is my soulmate. This is my... This is my soulmate, Edward. Yeah. Like, what is the plan here, gal? Like, what other words are we going to use? That's the very... That's very... Um, I, I don't know. That, that I feel like that makes sense with your character. She doesn't want to be mainstream. Bella, Bella would... Bella definitely uses partner. For sure. <laughs> my partner. I'm really sophisticated. Yeah. Something that really stuck out to me um, is in my copy of the book, this is page 303, but I know we're all working off of different copies, but this is when Edward is like describing um, the first night he watched her sleep. And he is talking about how he, he was, he was watching her and he was wrestling with like what he knew was right and what he knew he wanted Um, and then as he was struggling with this, Bella, he says, as you were sleeping, you said my name, you spoke so clearly at first. I thought you'd woken. And that is like, and then he says, I knew I couldn't ignore you any longer. And I'm like, I have literally woken up in my sleep and been like, what is that? What is that in the corner? Jordan, what is that in the corner? And I'll be like, Aaron, there's nothing in the corner. And then I'll be like, and just like immediately go back to sleep. Or I'll just wake up and say something completely nonsensical. And I'm just like, Edward, you were staking a lot on her sleep talking. Like, that could have meant anything. She could have been dreaming about, like, 
slapping you or chewing you out or like crashing into your car because you were pissing her off. It, that really stuck out to me. I was like, you, you put a lot on that one, one instance. Also, you were in her room watching her sleep. Yeah, messed up. Yeah. Weird. This is not okay. But somehow I couldn't infuse my voice with the proper outrage. I was flattered. Girl, no, you shouldn't be. Yeah. If a man watches you sleep without your consent, that's a red flag, folks. That is a red flag. You know, if a guy and if a guy is telling you that you're talking in your sleep, but you're also saying his name and frequently, or if, if he's telling you that, I don't know, like maybe, maybe he shouldn't be the one to confirm that if it's his name. Like, there's a strong bias there. She could have been saying anything, and he just made it sound like Edward in his mind to fit his narrative. While reading these three chapters, I kept having the thought, you know, if this story was written by anyone else, it might be good. And I think these characters might be good. During, I think it's this chapter. Is this the chapter where they're like, sorry, I am always, it's always like the readings all just like smushed together oh, in yeah. my head after I, I finished them. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this the chapter where they're talking about, um, or do they have another conversation about like, oh, I haven't felt like this before in this way? Like, is it later on? I think that is this chapter because something that I, um, flagged is this horny talk and is that what you're talking about gabby um probably what i was going to say is during this chapter or whenever it is that i'm thinking about is this is this when she faints when they, he kisses her that's like, the Whoa. next chapter that's i the think it's one. the beginning of the next one Either way, in this, like, kind of section of chapters, I was thinking about our whole conversation on our last episode where we were shitting all over Edward's sexuality, and we were like, bullshit, don't buy it that you're a virgin, liar, liar, liar. And then in this chapter, like, this section, I was like, you know, I think we were a little too hardcore. Like, I think that Edward could very likely be, like, demisexual, you know? And he just hasn't been in love before, and now he's in love, and so now he's turned on. Wow. Yeah, I that's great. That. On the topic right. um, of his sexuality, there's something relevant in this chapter I wanted to bring up. To bring it up. Uh, yeah, I love reading how a 90-year-old virgin is so good at petting and foreplay. Like he's not he like he's he's like he's good at it, but and he shouldn't know how to like be intimate with another person. Like, he ran his nose along my chin, swept my hair back. Lighter than a moth, lips touched the hollow beneath my ear, traced my collarbone. That's hot. Yeah, that's... True. That's, that's hot. So hot. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's a virgin. I feel like my theory would be for that, that even though he has not experienced any of that firsthand or in practice that we know of, um, he still is hearing all these people's fantasies all the fucking time. He's reading yeah. minds left and right. So I feel like maybe like, some of that is like, even though he hasn't done it, he has like seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fantasies that people have had. And it's probably like, like, oh, I've heard people think about this. So I guess yes. that's what you do. Yes, a hundred percent. And I also feel like Edward reads erotica 
and maybe writes it. <laughs> writes it. Oh my god. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So then, if Edward is writing erotica, or if Edward is writing fanfic, what universe is he writing fanfic about? <laughs> oh my god, he would do something so lame. He would do like fucking Shakespeare, like like fanfic. historical fanfic. Yes. Yes, he'd be like, you know, I was really unsatisfied with the way that King Henry VIII treated uh, Anne Boleyn, and this is how I think it should have gone. Like, it would be, (laughs) like, rewriting history to be sexier and, like, more, um, I was going to say respectful, but he's not very respectful of boundaries. Um, Napoleon was actually very attracted to Joan of Arc. (laughs) <laughs> oh god no in this in this fanfic yeah he is def- I don't think that he I feel like he would watch porn once and be like this is not for me but then he would find but then he would like keep going on the internet like when the internet came out he would find porn and he would say this is not for me but then he would find erotica and he'd be like wow this is so artistic and beautiful and um then he would like crack his knuckles and go go to his typewriter and (laughs) type out a couple sentences of yeah joan of arc he really is pretentious oh my god he's working on an erotic musical and it's a juke and it's a jukebox musical (laughs) of like debussy yeah it's all just like classical piano like kind of like modern minimalist impressionist music you know but he's also he's also like she tries to paint him so traditional like on the first page uh music in the 50s was so good not like the 60s or 70s uh like he's he sounds like a like a high school hoity-toity like pretentious incel i know i know i think it's funny too that after saying all that he's like the 80s were bearable it's just like, uh, right? like uh, I mean, I agree. I think the '80s have some bops. Yeah. But do I think that, like, I don't know? That was just that was just interesting because I, I just picture maybe he's not listening to like '80s pop. Yeah. Because you after can like that. going on this, after like going on this 50s. rant, not rant, but yeah, I'm just like, it's so weird that you like hated the '60s and '70s, which have some bops, and then the '80s, you're like. Edward loves Madonna. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, okay. I, I really want to talk about this, this veiled slash not so veiled question that Bella asked at the very end of the chapter on these last two pages where she's talking about like, oh, you said Rosalie and Emmett are married is is the same as the is the marriage the same as it is for humans first of all implying that marriage equals sex which is a very mormon point of view and just like this really really weird interaction and we get the first mention of edward's like pulverizing dick powers because he tells her he says if i was too hasty for one second i wasn't paying enough attention i could reach out meaning to touch your face and crush your skull by mistake you don't realize how incredibly breakable you are i can never never afford to lose any kind of control when i'm with you yeah mm-hmm. a kill fuck mm-hmm. a kill fuck what was going through stephanie meyer's mind 
yeah what what was the purpose of her including that in like the lore of her vampires it would have been fine like i feel like it would have been so much of a stronger choice if it was a character driven motivation of like there is something in my past and in my um life experience that makes me against sex before marriage as dumb as i think that is i think it just if she was gonna go that route of like because what she ends up crafting is that marriage equals basically turning into a vampire and he won't fuck her until she's a vampire and i just think it would have been so much more interesting if there was like in one of them not necessarily edward but even in bella if there was like something within them character wise that was a reason of why they were like waiting i guess i don't know or they should have just fucked let's be honest here they should have just fucked that's what we all wanted Edward later on in the series talks about, you know, the soul business in Eclipse when they have that night together. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's definitely a ways off from this chapter that we're reading right now. Right. Um, also, I just can't yeah. believe Bella is like, it was our first date today. And this is no judgment at all. But she was like, it was our first date today. And now you're in my room. Like, should we have sex? And he's like, no. She's like, okay, good night. And then just goes to sleep. <laughs> that was very yeah, high schooler. There were some funny moments of of like her kind of telling, not showing, but like hardly telling. You know, breaking that show don't tell rule. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I only really like I can only think of two here, but um, the the first is when she when she like talks about the comical contrast of her dad sitting in the chair and Edward. And I, th- I think it sh- all, all the Stephanie Meyer writes is just, and the contrast between him and its former occupant was comical. Hmm. And I really wish that she could have just like, instead of saying it's funny, reader, like like yeah, we like we can we can picture that if you describe it to us. Don't just exactly. tell us it's, like don't tell us how to think. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And she's hardly telling hmm. it all in this example anyway. And then later. Um, Bella thinks to herself I thought about having him in my room with my father in the house that's it I thought about having him in my room with my father in the house and then she moves on like okay well what's your conclusion Bella like what did you think that's it (laughs) that's the extent of the thought give us some insight I know there is so much that is like oh my god Sorry, my cats are going bananas for a box that is on the floor right now, and it scared me. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, her her writing is just so underdeveloped, and you can just tell that, like, like I, frankly, I really don't know how she got this published. I think that it was just, like, some sort of perfect storm, but it doesn't really seem like she had any editors coming in and pointing these things out, or they just didn't care. Because it was like YA or whatever. Yeah. Or like, worse yet, maybe a lot of that did happen and this is the result. Like, what was that first draft like? What was that manuscript like? Jesus, I would pay pay money. I would pay money to read that first draft. The rough draft. Gosh, I wonder. I wonder if she has it somewhere. Like locked in a safe. She has to. Come on. 
Yeah, I mean, this chapter is really just, it just ends with them in the bedroom and Bella is prying about, for just for some reason, like, Stephanie Meyer really, like, she makes it so hard for Bella. Like, Bella is really fishing for Edward to just straight up be like, I think you're beautiful. Like, I, like, I am attracted to you. Like, she just won't let him, like, say that for some reason. And this whole end of the chapter is Bella basically fishing for whether or not Edward, like, actually likes her in, like, a romantic sexual way. Or if it's just, like, I don't even know. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of ends with him staying. And I guess he just holds her all night, which sounds really boring. But do you do you, King, I guess. She says, do you find me attractive in that way at all? And he laughs and he says, I'm a human, but I am a man. (laughs) I have male desires. (laughs) And then he's like, no. (laughs) He's like, okay, good night. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, that's Uh, pretty much chapter 14. uh, I want to see if I had any more questions about that chapter. Yes. Yes, um, what other thoughts, notes, questions do you have? I had a question about, <laughs> he, sa- he says, like, um, Edward says, um, the younger we pretend to be, the longer we can stay at any given place. No, that doesn't make sense. Because, because like, when you're young, it's easy to see how you're not developing and changing and growing up and going through. And, like, you're, you're in high school, so you're only going to, you can only do it for four years. And, like, wait a sec, you look... You know, like your neighbor's gonna be like, you look the same like you did when you were a fre- like it'd be e- when you were a freshman. You know, it'd exactly. be easier if you were pretending to be older. Unless, unless exactly, unless Stephanie Meyer in her head is thinking, well, okay, they're only gonna stay at a place at a certain place like one to two years tops because they have to move so frequently. So if they enroll in high school, they can do up to four, and that's much longer. But but like she she let she's leaving out her thoughts then if that's the case. Or, like, leaving out her um, process. I haven't thought about this before, actually. What I really don't understand about this, like, process of theirs is, like, you're absolutely right, Jason. A 14-year-old, which is how old you are when you get into high school in the United States, versus an 18-year-old will most likely, with most people, look very, 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 very different. And also, my question is, like, I mean, I guess Carlisle is a doctor, so he's kind of in the community, but, I mean, it's not like he has to, you know, he can say he's whatever age he wants, and then at a certain point he'll age out of that no matter what. But as far as, like, the kids go, unless they're trying to get jobs, which, like, I wouldn't fucking work if I didn't have to, and they don't have to. They have plenty of money. Um, like, why not just, like, live in a house and, like, maybe take some college classes if you want to keep yourself busy, I guess? But, like, why go to high school? Like, do you... Is there a desire to be in the community in that way? Like, do they, they don't seem to particularly mix with the other students. Like, I just don't really understand. And I can only imagine that repeating high school over and over and over would be fucking agonizing. It would just be so boring. Like, why? It might be entertaining for like a week. They did it because the plot demanded it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm having like a wild time right now because I've literally never <laughs> thought about this until right now. And now I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. 
because the whole time I just did not even question that. I was like, oh yeah, makes sense to me. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I think it was one of the things I questioned when I first saw the movie. When I like saw them slowly walking through the cafeteria, uh, they, they look kind of like yeah, oh yeah, oh they, <laughs> they're so hot. But also they they're, they're too so hot. hot. Like, they're too hot for high school. Uh, they look older. Um, uh, and like mm-hmm. why why would you what are you doing here? Isn't someone gonna well, figure like, it out? And I get I guess I never I was able, I was never able to form that question until uh, I read the chapter. Um, I guess I kind of took it like. A... Yeah, Edward is 17, so even though he's a vampire, he looks youthful. So maybe, yeah, if they stay there, then they can pretend to do high school and college and, like, I guess. early adulthood. Yeah. Whereas, like, if they, like, if they start out, like, in their mid-20s somewhere, then people will probably notice that they're not aging. Was that no. the age like, that he was changed? He was 17? 17. 17. Wow. Mm-hmm. If I were the Colons, I would just travel like crazy. I would just travel like and go on vacations and shit because they obviously have like, like they're millionaires, if not more than that. Like they have so much money. They probably have, like, a shit ton of investments. So, like, probably Carlisle doesn't even need to work. Like, they could probably survive just off their, like, investments and stocks and shit. I would just go travel and stay in, like, remote, you know, like, I would rent a fucking villa in Italy that is remote for a season. And you could be out in the sun because if no one else is, like, going to be there, you know, like, why not go have, like, life experiences? And, I mean... I don't know, like, it just boggles my fucking mind that of all things to do, I get the desire to have, like, a home and a homestead, but, like, you're really gonna do high school? Really? And you're not even gonna participate in, like, the fun part of high school, which is, like, activities and gossiping and dating and, like, being ridiculous and silly and dumb? You're gonna, like, be your own little pod and, like, not even interact, so you're literally just going to classes? Like, what kind of life is that? wonder if it's just like one it's if it's just like a tool to set up the contrast between like the nomadic lifestyle of the like non-vegetarian vampires versus like the cullens wanting to put themselves in close proximity to humans for like lengthy periods of time showing you know like that they're safe i guess i don't know we're good we're good vampires yeah how long we can be in this place without even killing a single person I would kill. Yeah, I would kill bad people. I mean, I, I would give in, but I would. I think if I, let me tell, actually, let me tell you right now what I would do if I was a vampire. I would be. Wait I, on me. I would be a. I'd be like Batman. I would be a a uh, a vigilante. Okay, wait. So, Jason, you would go full Batman, Bruce Wayne, vigilante style. Yeah, yeah. I would. I don't know where I would live or where I would stay, but I would. Yeah, I would just, like, kill bad people. And then I would probably, like, get sick of it and, like, hate myself for, like, taking lives. Maybe. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But I, I would probably give in to that for a while. Um, you would, and, you and would then take pe- the Edward path. I, yeah, I guess so. And, yeah. Look at and this Edward probably, motherfucker up in here this week. People would probably judge me and be like, like, why do you get to be judge, jury, executioner? Like, you know, I... 
I don't know. That's what I would do. Well, someone's got to. And, and if they asked, you can just chomp, chomp. Yeah, especially. That's true. Especially, especially your own in America, next like, time. I, I'm not going to trust the, the criminal justice system. Yeah, the court system is fucked, okay? We need someone to come in and just murder. Yeah. That's a joke. <laughs> Wink. Yeah. Did I hear did I hear Charlotte say just like Edward yeah. in the background? Charlotte would you'd be just like Edward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I wouldn't go back. maybe I would just stay the a murderous vigilante. But like there's so many people that, you know, boom, death penalty. So many boom, people. Death penalty. Come on. There's so many. Murderers, sexual assaulters, just all of them. Mm-hmm. They gotta go. They gotta go. Yeah. And, like, who's going to stop me? Another vampire? Ah! Like, you're just killing bad people? Yeah! You're yeah. just killing bad people? Seriously. You'd yeah. be, like, a big loser in the vampire community. <laughs> They'd be like, come on, you got to kill all the innocent people. That's where the fun is. You know, they, would, they would probably, like, view me as some, like, pretentious, self-righteous prick. Like, oh, here comes the hero. <laughs> Just like the knight Edward. fucking shining armor. <laughs> and I would say, no, I'm the dark knight. <laughs> I'm here to, to suck the all criminals make dry. Out of you. Oh my gosh, you drain them dry. Drain, drain them dry. Them dry. Okay. Drain them dry. So, chapter 15. What? <laughs> Bella meets the Collins and finds out that Edward is good at piano. Yeah. That's the summary. Is the chapter. <laughs> I have a question that about is this the chapter. Um, yeah. is, so, he, what he plays, is that, I can't remember in the movie, but is that on the soundtrack? Did they write something for him to play? That's called Bella's Lullaby. You can actually hear Bella's a lullaby. riff of it in our podcast theme. So, do, 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 and you know who wrote that song, Jason? Oh. You know who wrote that song? Mm. Robert Pattinson. He, he wrote did it. A t- he did a lot of stuff wow. for the Twilight soundtrack. He wrote it and played it. He's a very committed actor. I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. I want to kiss him on the mouth. So um, the main you know what's theme too? Mm-hmm. Is it the main theme? Oh, okay. It is. Oh. Something so. that's really, really, really funny to me is that in the book, it says Bella describes his piano playing as like it's so complicated. His fingers moving so effortlessly through these really complex compositions, and um. The, I mean, what Robert Pattinson wrote is very simple. It's like, do, 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 Yeah. It's really fucking simple. And so I love that Robert wrote it. I think that's cute. I think that's fun. I think it works. However, I do think it's very funny that he is supposed to be this, like, very proficient pianist. And then what we get in the movies is, like, a beginner level position. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be this like full lush flow. Like it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like Franz list kind of. Exactly. 
<laughs> well, but it, 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 this is an interesting conversation because when they're describing it in the book, he starts out playing a piece that is like that, that he composed, that is wildly difficult and complicated. And then Bella says that she's feeling insignificant and then describes how he like suddenly tones down like the difficulty of the piano. And he's like, this one, like you inspired me to do this one. I've been so proven like wrong. He, there Ooh. is like a more simplistic melody that he creates for her. This is why we Robert. need two co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gabby, you keep me grounded. You keep me <laughs> grounded. Check each other's blind spots. You That's know. right. Um, okay. I have to bring up the infamous, iconic, so stupid khaki skirt and blue <laughs> blouse. Oh my God. God, can I just say I've worn this outfit to church and it is not indecent. It is very decent. In fact, it is boring and kind of ugly. I there is not a universe where this is like an indecent hot outfit. Like I just don't I don't get it. I yeah, what I, she was going for. Was he so did Edward just say was she trying to say like Edward's into the pastoral look? So, like, that's why he used the word, like, he knows it's not indecent, but, like, he said it to, like, tease her because he's into it. He likes it. And, like, this is going outside of Twilight, but in Midnight Sun, he talks about how, like, beautiful he thinks she looks. And all I can think of is, like, this book came out in 2005. We did not have, like... Okay, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. I am really bitter that in recent years, stuff that has become fashionable is like mid-eye skirts, like skirt or midi skirts, however you say it. Like skirts that go below your knees are now like fashionable. One-piece bathing suits are now fashionable. You can find like cute options for all of these outfits that are like very modest. We do not fucking have this in 2005 okay this was the land of like low-rise jeans and thongs and like the skimpiest bathing suits and mini skirts like we didn't fucking have this there was not a cute long khaki skirt that existed in 2005 it was stiff it probably had buttons up the front (laughs) this was not a cute outfit this was not cute i will die on this hill and I'm bitter. Yeah. yeah, product of Mormon writing. Mormon lens. Yeah. Seriously. Does Tabella's so overstimulated? Yes. And is is what I'll say. say does Stephanie mm-hmm. Meyer think that like people has Stephanie Meyer like kissed a boy? Like what? <laughs> does she think people faint from like? <laughs> Gentle touching and kissing. Oh my did gosh. Bella come? Like, did what the well, fuck What happened? is this? She passes out. She falls to the ground during this kiss. It's not even a kiss. He just, like, just touches very, his lips to her very mouth. She's in love. It's just, you know, it's toxic. You know, she's... A good song. <laughs> I guess it's just, it's it, the L word, you know? I don't know. I guess... Yeah, I don't like that she faints. That's super weird. She literally stops breathing because he is slowly tracing down her spine. 
With, I mean, that's hot, but. It's hot, but like, Jesus Christ, gal, take a breath. Yeah, I'm like kissing him. I can't imagine it's that pleasant. It's like a statue that moves. We talked about this in the last episode yeah, it's where it's like, I imagine a corpse in rigor mortis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when she's she's talking about falling asleep in his cold arms <laughs> before this one. Yeah. His cold lips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if both, like, as problematic as Jacob is, if they're both problematic, like, they both seem to be problematic in the book, so I would just go with Jacob because he's, yeah. like, actually comforting and warm. And Edward aren't and vampires. Alive. They're supposed to be like statue. Yeah, and alive. He's not an. He's not. You know, classified. His creature type isn't undead. You know. Yes. <laughs> yes. He aren't aren't vampires yeah. in this world like they're like marble, aren't they? Or 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 akin to marble. It's also wild too that she faints and then it's just over. She faints <laughs> and then they're like they're like ha ha that happened. Let's head out. Recovered. <laughs> No, like oh girl you need a nap you need to take a warm bath like mm-hmm. eat some water you need to eat something more than fucking cereal like can we get like an egg in this woman she needs some protein maybe some beans yeah. um, an egg in this woman <laughs> please get her an egg <laughs> <laughs> She's like, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then they just go. Oh my god, it's so funny. I want to unpack. It. I want. I want to like. I want to theorize why this is here. Unpack it, baby. The well, I don't the know. Kiss? I, the the fainting. Like, wh- why? Like I this doesn't that. happen to human beings. Like Bella, Bella I Ste- know. Stephanie Meyer's an alien. She's, it's not even Mormon I, at this point. I know. I feel like this no, moment is so... Like, does she fully pass out? She collapses. And then I collapsed. Bella, his voice was alarmed as he caught me and held me out. You made me faint. I accused him dizzily. Yeah. What? Yeah, I guess it's like a, a you know, a severe lightheadedness. It's a, it's a... I, I guess she a... just literally stopped breathing. What's the what's the term for it? It's it's, like, it's synonymous for faint, but like I I had a um I had a thank you thank you Charlotte the the linguist I had a spell I had a fainting spell oh, a spell. oh yeah she's so under oh she's under his spell oh. <laughs> how romantic wow. okay we figured we solved it we solved your puzzle Stephanie. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's literally just like a combination of Bella never being like touched sexually in her Mm. life. And also like, I think that Stephanie Meyer is staking a lot on the fact that like Edward is really good looking. And it's just like, like she constantly calls him like an angel, a God, a Greek God. And I think that it's, we're supposed to like, 
Like, what would you do, you boring uggos, if a Greek god wanted to kiss you? You'd yeah. pass the fuck out. And I'm like, shit, I probably would. Like, Beyond I don't know, but just yeah, it, it's just like, down. wow, lucky me. Exactly. And it does set up this relationship dynamic where, I mean, they are not equal. They are not equal in this relationship at all all he ultimately has all of the power all of the final say we'll see this more as we get into later books uh <laughs> eclipse but it is a very very lopsided relationship and so much of that is rooted in his hotness which i think is weird is it called eclipse because the main character gets eclipsed i don't know probably not <laughs> i think she just was really into the like lunar Phases. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. She's like, gotta stay, on, gotta stay on theme. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we get the line where the, and you're worried not because you're headed to meet a house full of vampires, but because you think those vampires won't approve of you. Correct? And she's mm. like, yup. That's exactly. relatable. I, I, I was just gonna, I was gonna use that word too. I relate with that. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's intimidating. Like, these are ageless, immortal people. Seriously. You know, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I would want them to like me too. Well, I'm taking geometry and music class. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might like to be like a veterinarian or something, or yeah. maybe like a nurse. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, like all these mundane conversations with these like immortal beings would be so intimidating. This is really small. When they're pulling up to the house, he's like, Do you like my house? And she goes, it has a certain charm. And then he pulled the end of my ponytail and chuckled. Is that not something you do to like a small child? Like, oh, he, he I'm teasing you. There are a lot of childish things. Very infantilizing. I agree. I also, though, when I read it, I was like, oh, that's endearing. I would like that. Like if I were playing around with my significant other and they're like, shut up. I'd be like, oh, wow, so much fun we're having together. It, I think it is weird that, like, it happens right after he asks she thinks of it, and then she, like, it hesitates, has a certain charm. You're wrong. Like, compliment my house. Yank. Yeah. Compliment my mansion now. It's like, I would love to live there. Put all the woods mm -hmm. in a beautiful... Like, it sounds pretty modern, but, like, I don't know, a good mixture of, like, modern and, and uh, you know... I would love to live in this house. Charming lodge. sounds so beautiful. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. kind of hard for me to picture this house as it is in the books. Because uh, I have the movie house just, like, imprinted yeah. in my brain. You know, like, all the glass... The glass windows, LOL, obviously, glass windows. But, like, the windows being, like, the walls, just so much open, like, space and light. And that's always what I have in my mind. So it's really hard for me to picture this house when they're describing it in the book because it, it's not the same. I have such a clear image of this house apart from the movie. Oh. It's just one of those things that, like, I because I read this before the movie came out, um, and so I can... I can still imagine it. And in my mind, and I was actually really fucking pissed when the movie came out because I was like, 
that is not right. In the book, it says it's like an old world architecture, like a hundred years old. I picture like, um, oh man, have either of you seen Sharp Objects on HBO? No. Oh, not yet. That's on my list. No, Shoot. Okay. Well, I, I picture they, their house is kind of what I picture, but really what I picture is like an old like house with a wraparound porch kind of like somewhere in between like a craftsman and a Victorian. And then what I imagine is that the renovations they did was all on that back wall. So like they bought this traditional historical home. And then in my head canon, Esme is like an expert home renovator and she renovated this house and then converted the entire back wall into class. And so I have like this super fucking clear image in my head of the house and sometimes it's hard for me to like watch the movie because it's like like it just does not match at all but um i guess i just have a really strong imagination (laughs) i guess i guess i was really creative wow does esme have a bigger part to play in the story in later books or is she just the good wife yeah, unfortunately, yes. I crave more of her story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, that's pretty much all she gets, unfortunately. It's a bummer because I feel like it's... I don't know. I wish the movies explored the family more because it's not... Like, they're incredibly significant. Yeah, yeah it's a good dynamic. Uh, all the, all those characters, like, are they're significant. Yeah. It's all a family unit. Edward's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because they're all, like, I mean, they're really kind of similar in age. Like, I think that both Carlisle and Esme are supposed to have died in their early 20s. And what is, you know, a couple decades to a vampire. So, like, all the kids would be really similar in age. And, like, I feel like even Carlisle and Esme would be, you know, Esme is similar in age to all the kids as well. Because she's brought in after Edward. So, technically, Edward is, like, older than her. And so, it's just interesting how, like, they've ascribed these, like, human roles it's like Esme's the mom, Carlisle's the dad, and like we're all the kids. And it would have been nice to see that, yeah, explored a little bit more in the films. Yeah, it, and it's just dialogue. It seemed like all these yeah, chapters are just. I was reading a play. It was just, there's so much fucking dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the 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 description of the house really supports the family unit. So I think op- like open space houses are really healthy for family units. Do we think they have like game nights and shit? Yes. I bet you they play that. baseball. Yeah. It's true. They play baseball. I bet I bet they play like Yeah, they have taboo in their in their game covered. <sighs> I love taboo. Except it would not be fun to play taboo because Edward would always know what the card was. So they have to get like Edward proof games that don't rely on like secrets. Oh my gosh, that would be so hard. I just tell him to like not yeah. cheat. <laughs> I guess true. Although it made me mad a little bit, not like super mad, but in this chapter, there are a couple moments. Um, this is one where there's like a, a hidden conversation between Edward and Carlisle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a di- there there are other ones too, and that would be really frustrating for me if I were Bella going in there and there's all like having these secret Edward mind reading conversations like right around me. I'd be like, can you fuckers like stop it? You're so rude. Say yeah. it out loud or go somewhere else where I can't see that you're having this, like, 
conversation that I'm excluded from makes me feel so left out. (laughs) Whenever I reread this book, like just on my own, I usually stop at chapter 14. I just put it down. You don't don't read the end of the book. You just stop and then. Oh, (laughs) but that makes sense with what I know of you being that you like the beginning of the relationship the most when they like don't know all the secrets. Will they, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Once they put it all out in the open, like she's like, I love you. And he's like, you are my life now. I'm like, boring. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I had a question earlier in the chapter. She asks... And this is just out of my, like my own curiosity. Like I want to know what happened, what this is about, or if it comes up. She she asks if she says, "Oh, so did Alice see me coming? Like, did she foresee yeah. me?" Yeah. Did did Alice? Didn't she like? Didn't she foresee that she would become a vampire or something like that? Was that what she was? Why Edward didn't say that's anything? My, that's my understanding. Okay. It's either that she becomes a vampire or Edward kills her. Oh, and, like, Alice doesn't know. Right, right. There's this whole thing in Midnight Sun where... Because Alice's entire power is that she can see, like, kind of multiple outcomes until someone, like, chooses and decides what path they're going to take and then it becomes clear like she's like oh this is going to happen but if they change their mind then the future will change but basically when she when like bella came into edward's life she either saw him killing and draining her or turning her and then once he chose once he like got to that place where he was like i could never hurt her and really chose that i'm not gonna kill her then the only real future she saw was bella getting changed Speaking of Alice and those visions, this was a really interesting thing in this, that she saw the visitors coming this chapter. And for some reason that I'm having a, I'm having difficulty putting how I'm feeling about it or what I'm thinking about it into words. Um, I haven't fully sussed it out yet, but there's just something about in the movies. It's like a shock and a surprise that they're there. And we get Alice's vision of, James, Laurent, and Victoria like mm-hmm. when they're playing baseball. And here we get it, like in the book, we get it for that. And I don't know. It just feels weird to me. That feels like a weird shift. I mean, although I suppose it feels necessary for the movie, but it also just feels like the whole situation could have been avoided mm-hmm. because Alice knew they were coming here in this scene in their home where they're all safe and it wasn't like a last minute like oh we're surprised by these vampires like approaching on the baseball field it's like they knew before that that they'd be coming so i don't know yeah it was really irresponsible with alice yeah alice oh my god (laughs) any thoughts on that you can really tell that like stephanie meyer wrote the plot first and then the lore later in my opinion i feel like i can sense that because it's like oh we want the plot of like alice dropping the hint that visitors are coming because structurally that is more effective if we have like a little hint in our mind like oh people are coming so it doesn't feel out of the blue when it happens like 
but it doesn't make sense. Like, then why would you go out and play baseball and bring Bella? Like, why would you bring her? I mean, maybe it just goes back into it all being subject to change. Like, maybe she saw them coming into town. I mean, obviously she did. It's canon that she saw them coming into town. Maybe... Because in the movie, we get that, like, the sound of them playing baseball is what, like, attracts them. So maybe it's, like, they're coming, but she hasn't foreseen that it's going to happen and they're going to meet in this way on that day because they haven't, like, played baseball yet. But then you'd think that once they decide to play baseball, then she'd see that happening. Right. It's not a well-fleshed-out future-seeing system. And that's a bold power to put into a book, like seeing the future. That's hard to write, you know, for this exact reason. And I think Stephanie Meyer bit off more than she could chew. Also, Bella is like so uncomfortable with the fact that these other vampires are coming. She's like shivering and Edward's like, finally, you're scared. Yeah. God. Um, yeah. Um, so then we get Carlisle's, we get brief introduction to how mm-hmm. he was changed mm-hmm. um, which was really sad that would have been really sad and also when I was reading it I was confused because I started thinking about the vampire diaries system for creating vampires and I was like but Carlisle didn't die with any vampire blood in his system he didn't drink the vampire's blood so how did he get turned I'm so confused and then I remembered that in Twilight all they have to do is bite them and that's what yeah does. this is a really I feel like it is a very almost like canon thing about vampires that it's like they have to drink your blood and then they have to give you their blood and that is how you become a vampire and Stephanie Meyer rejects that. She says no. I didn't know that about vampires until like I like I didn't I didn't know that was a I guess I didn't know until now that that's like a traditional thing. I I learned that when reading uh, when reading Curse of the, you know, the, the Strahd book, um, and like, like looking into it when they talk about it in Dungeons and Dragons, I thought it was just like, they bite you. And like, if they bite you and choose not to kill you, it's like a venom thing. Like they, but not an actual venom. It's like, it's like a curse through the bite. I didn't right. know they had to drink their blood in return. Uh, traditionally. I, thought that's what it was traditionally too i didn't for some reason i thought it was like just a vampire diaries wait does it also happen like that in true blood Aaron? it, it does happen like that in true blood and spoiler and in midnight mass oh yeah yeah and so Definitely that's not. like fresh in my mind so i actually i don't know what the like what's traditional or but yeah i was totally thinking of true blood and then you said that about Vampire Dives, and I was like, duh, this is the way it is. But maybe it is just normally just a bite, just one bite. I don't know. We'll have to ask good old Brom Stoker. Brom, get him <laughs> on the phone. Uh, we, need, we need to talk to Dracula. We need to find our source. Nosferatu, where are you at? Nosferatu. <laughs> um, well, so we get, that, we get that intro, and then we get into... Chapter 16. Yes. Jason, any parting thoughts or notes or questions on chapter 15? No, I just like hearing about how everyone, I like hearing the characters' histories and like the lore and Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Yeah. I love what you said about her like crafting the plot and then coming up with the lore to to, like accommodate it. (laughs) 
Because that's like that's how I feel. That's like when you're. It's like writing yourself into a hole. You know, you need to write backwards. Yeah. Or else you're just. That's how like severe writer's block happens. And that's how you write yourself into a hole. And like how plot holes happen. And it's just like. Yeah. Man, she made all the yeah, amateur it's... mistakes. Oh my gosh! What an amateur! What a uh, loser! Yeah. Um, we would know. We would know um, because we are expert writers who are also famous and bestsellers. Um, Okay, chapter 16, Carlisle. I don't know what to tell you guys. They talk about Carlisle and how he turned into a vampire and how he uh, started not drinking human blood and how awesome he is and how good he is and how hot he is. And I love Carlisle. Something I think is fun about this chapter, by fun I mean like if I were in that position I'd be annoyed, um, because I'm reading it I'm like oh that's a little silly. that's kind of silly. Uh, the Edward like every time Bella interrupts he's like excuse me like let me continue on with the story and it's like how could she not interrupt like wild like when she says like he swam to France he's like. Ugh swim across the channel all the time <laughs> like, i know okay, how, how am i supposed to know i'm a 17 yeah. year old girl like and every Arizona, time she's just like she's just like oh oops sorry <laughs> i'm like babe don't let him talk yeah, to like, you like this i guess i like you missed this on the question. on the cryptid websites i, I should have studied yeah exactly it's like edward he is so fucking mean to her he is not nice to her i do you think that's some like internalized misogyny coming through coming through her writing something i've noticed since i read a lot of fantasy romance um is there is a lot of like or i mean i read i also read a lot of like straight up romance or like smut and there is a lot of misogyny that is like normalized in the books and where I think because if I pick up a book that is like a shirtless ripped dude on the front I like like I know what I'm getting into I'm like I want to read some smut today like I know that this is going to be like a completely unrealistic portrayal whatever and like obviously this is not fucking realistic because it's vampires right but I feel like she is trying to create a protagonist that is so relatable in Bella. This, like, you know, we're supposed to feel akin to her because she, you know, she's kind of not like other girls. She's kind of offbeat. And, like, even the most popular person in the world is going to feel like that at some times. They're going to feel, like, misunderstood. They're going to feel like they don't quite fit in because we are our own people and we're in our own heads. And where this, like, really like annoys me is that she is trying to make edward this like ideal boyfriend partner soulmate and all of these things he does that are like mean bella just kind of like takes and i guess like in some of the like you know dumb smut books that i've read where like the protagonist the male love interest is like being mean that is often met by the female protagonist being like, hey, don't do that. And even if it's like poorly written and stupid, at least it's fucking there. And like, I just feel like we never, like all of these things that Edward does to her, 
Yeah, like telling her like, hey, stop talking. I'm telling a story. It's like, well, you're literally talking about vampires and I've only been alive for 17 years and didn't know vampires existed until three weeks ago. So be nice to me. Like it just, it just doesn't, Yeah. it's weird. I feel like this is totally people, normalized. It, it set up a lot of like young girls up for failure. Like, fell in love with the story and like had these expectations and thought that this was like an okay dynamic. And then, and, and later I, I was, I was, I was finally watching Eclipse and realizing this about Jacob and how I, I like look back to my middle school years and I picture a lot of the friendships between boys and girls that they had problematic because, you know, the boys are so jealous and they thought they like deserved something or had earned something through the friendship. And it was like different in their minds. And that that's what, and so like when you're reading that as a young girl, that's like your ex like, I mean, maybe I should give young teenagers more credit, but, but, but of course you're going to be, you're, you know, you're malleable. So you're going to be um, affected by this. So, so you, you like accept that as, as like as fine for like people like Jacob to and people like Edward to talk to you like that and like expect certain things. Right. And I think that authors who are going to choose to write YA, um, especially YA that's going to deal with like relationships and romance, you almost have to like, I think you have a way more of a responsibility to include like positive representations of like consent and like kindness in relationships than like someone who is going to write a smut book because the only people who are going to read those are hopefully going to be adults and we have fully formed brains and we can separate this novel from our real lives and understand that like okay this is a completely unrealistic portrayal and I'm reading this for escapism as opposed to me at 12 reading this book and being like where is my Edward like I want to find someone like this. Um, and I desire someone who's gonna like, like me so much that they like watch me while I sleep. Like, that is literally like how I felt when I first read these when I was in sixth grade. And so I think that YA authors have way more of a responsibility than adult authors because you are writing for audiences whose brains are not fucking developed yet. And like, Yes, we should give audiences, like, credit. Like, young people are not these, like, drones who are going to, like, just believe whatever they read. However, it, it does have an influence, whether consciously or subconsciously. It makes me think of, like, for some, it, Euphoria, the TV show, comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's, like, I love that show. And then me also, too. while I watch that show, I'm, like, like, I know that. I get I find myself questioning I'm like I don't know who the target audience is like adults like young adults supposed to be into this show are like older teens supposed to be into this show sure. because older older teens are the characters being portrayed mm -hmm. um but the but, problems and situations are very adult as extremely extremely adult mm -hmm. um and it's not like not to say that no teenager or young person has gone through the things that are in euphoria um i'm sure there are people who are young who are teenagers okay. who have gone through those things um but yeah that's a really intense show a lot of that stuff is i mean i mean 
I mean, thankfully, there are, like, different POVs to, mm-hmm. like, the things that are happening in that show. Like, there are clear perspectives about, like, the abusive relationships depicted in that show are depicted as such. And I think you bring up but, such a good point that it's a clear POV. And I don't know what the POV of this book is. Like, obviously, yes, we're in Bella's literal point of view. But her point of view on this relationship is... Here is my perfect Adonis who can do yes. no wrong. Yeah. That's glorified totally. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of Sarah J. Mass, Feyre and Tamlin. And how like you get the Ugh. same kind of I know. Let me just <laughs> air out for oh such. <laughs> and like um I search for you tonight, you know. The and his he's and he's also he he makes you know those comments um you know there there's he has some problematic things but like there what's the word she displays that as as a part of his flaws like we know that as the reader and and also Feyre challenges it you know she'll cuz that's what she cuz that's what she does she 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 fights it she talks back you know she she stands up for herself um and like and you know recent he'll do the same thing he'll say the same kind of kind of shit even even though even if his you know perspective is a little less um problematic um it you know it was still hurtful to Feyre mm-hmm. and I was the reader that like that that's the case and we're not supposed to go oh yeah no it's fine he's fine he can say that stuff right uh, yes right not to compare Stephanie Meyer and Sarah J Mass but like <laughs> come on <laughs> no contest yeah. Uh, oh. I want Sarah J. Mass to write Twilight. <laughs> Dude. The I'm, horniness um, would be so much better. It would be. Yeah, it would be. I am, <laughs> I am desperately trying to get Jordan to read A Court of Thorns and Roses. I don't know if he will, but um, my life would be better if he did. So should. He's I a think lore I, guy. He loves exactly. World he loves world building. I think he would like it. Um, so I put it on his, uh, nightstand and we'll see if one of these nights he picks it up. But, um, wow. Now I really want to just read and talk about Akatar. Yeah. Yeah. Another podcast. Yeah. Another episode. Um, um, nothing really happens in this chapter. No, nothing. Um, oh, I just, I thought of the term, um, you know, write what you know. Mm. That's the phrase, right? And, and I guess. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a non sequitur a little bit, but this is where my mind is going now, thinking on all the all the horniness that 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 was in the first chapter and a little bit in these two. Um, mm. and and Stephanie Meyer just she doesn't write it well because, you know, don't write what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it takes an experienced lover and someone who knows something about intimacy and sex and love and romance to write that well and like if she, if you didn't have, especially in your in your youth if you didn't have it how can you write a ya novel about it yeah i'm like steph did you ever have like a boy in your room like were you ever in this situation because i mean i don't know her life but that's a big no-no in lds culture i don't want to like turn this into like like the Stephanie, we hate Stephanie Meyer podcast, but well, it was. It's been like are. that since day one. He sucks. She's like a bad 
She's like a bad person. Like we can't talk about these books without like talking about and acknowledging that she is like, I mean, these books are like blatantly racist against the Quileute tribe um, and Native Americans. They are blatantly racist. And they also like weren't consulted on these novels. They didn't receive any of the revenue from these novels. Like it would be completely irresponsible to not talk about that and we also can't talk about these books without talking about the fact that like they are not written well the like syntax and the prose is like yeah. not the best yeah um and i mean obviously i have a personal vendetta because she's lds and i hate the lds church <laughs> so um the only other like thing in this chapter that i had like pointed out and bookmarked Um, I mean, basically in this chapter, all they do is talk about Carlisle's origin story where he was the son of a evangelical preacher and then they were hunting vampires in like London in the what 16th century, 17th century. And then he got bitten and turned um, and then he tried and realized he could drink animal blood and he's been doing that ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And dedicate his life to helping people because he is perfect. The only thing I have bookmarked in this chapter is not even about Carlisle. It's when Edward finally shows Bella his room. And um <laughs> and um he says something about like how he's he's waiting for her to be scared. Um he says that earlier, but in this chapter he's like, Oh, I I really I really like you being clued into my world. Like I knew I would like it, but it makes me it makes me happy. And she's like, oh, oh I'm glad. Um, and then she says she was worried that he might regret confiding in her. And he looks at this expression on her face, this worried expression. And, um, she's like, oh, are you still waiting for me to, to, to run away screaming? And he kind of like smirks at her and she's like, I hate to burst your bubble, but you're not as scary as you think. And then he like, like, like tackles her. Yeah. He pounces on her and he's like, I am scary. You take that back. And she's like, okay. I'm like, this is icky. I don't like this flirting. Yeah, like an this iron cage. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I totally forgot about that part. Yeah. He like attacks her. They push the couch against the wall. Yeah. And then she's sitting on his lap and Alice and Jasper come in and they're like not phased. And then when that made me think about, is like, is this house just like a fuck fest all the time? Because it's Alice and Jasper and Esme and Carlisle and Rosalie and Emmett, who it's alluded to the fact that they like fuck like rabbits. And I'm like, is Edward just sitting in his room with like noise canceling headphones on, trying to drown out the sounds of everyone in his family just fucking nonstop? Jackhammer vampires. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all I could think about because Alice is so unfazed. She's like, she could have walked in on them, like, fooling around and she'd be like, we're going to play baseball tonight. And Edward would be like, okay. I'm like, is this normal in this household? Like, to each their own, you know, I don't know, vampire culture. Um, but what's, what's funny about that to me is that Alice heard like messing around yes heard like couch hitting like the wall and then comes in 
And of all things to say, she says, like, we thought you were eating Bella and we wanted to see if there was enough for us. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yes. my God, you're right. She does say that. Like, oh, that cute. she's so playful. Weird. Wow. Yeah. Oh. It's just the... It's just it's hilarious to think about, like, if they had been fooling around and that's what and, she'd come in to say. Like, and what's even weirder is that yeah. she's with Jasper all the time, who probably is thinking about eating Bella. It's just, yeah, it seems like an in- yes. inappropriate thing to say. Totally. Especially because at this point, she's still, like you had said before, she's, she still doesn't know if he's going to turn her or kill her. I think at this, I think at this point she, that is more, um, more clear. Mm-hmm. Okay. One, okay. Yeah. Like now, cause we get that earlier on when he's like, I could never lose control around you. Like I, I oh. will not let myself hurt you. Like, Mind over matter. Mind over matter. Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. Maybe she thought they were going to have a forest one. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's also just an appropriate thing to say. With Jasper there. That could only be so lucky. Alice is the quirky one. <laughs> That's pretty much the whole chapter, though. They say that they they walk in on this weird scene. They say that they're going to play baseball later. Um, I really... I'm just in awe. I know this isn't an episode about the movie, but I just have to bring it up. Like, every time I think about the baseball scene in the movie, I'm just like, they did that. They did that. My monkey man. My monkey man. <laughs> and the high kick pitch, super massive black hole by Muse. Like, whoever thought of that, I want to buy you a drink. Like, my hat is tipped to you. It is. And we'll be getting into that on our next episode. Jason, do you have any parting thoughts on these chapters? <laughs> any, anything? Lingering? Yeah, please, 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 please. There's, I, I feel like she's alluding to more like, um, well, no, maybe this isn't the case, but I just, you get the, you get the cage again, or the, how she's comparing him to iron and metal and that kind of stiffness and hardness and like, like when he's holding her like, like an iron cage, um, mm-hmm. and and in the in chapter fourteen she like mentions. She's she's like getting him to stay, and she says like, "Oh, I like you in manacles," and then says, "But his hands formed manacles around my wrist," um, which I thought was a gratuitous use of uh, italics. But um, I just I just wonder what what's so like appealing? Like if this isn't like this isn't Fifty Shades of Grey. So like, what's appealing? to use that kind of um that like those metal and iron motifs is that just to like to like show his strength to highlight that probably Probably. and and um i just had a thought and i can edit this out if it's too gross okay um okay so yeah iron manacles we know he has this hard body so my question is is i'm sorry is his penis always hard i've been thinking about that this whole episode oh my god like what is going on 
or does he get an erection? And when he does, if he can get an erection, which I think we can assume he does because he ejaculates living sperm into her body later, what does that mean? Does it just get larger? He's a, is he a shower or a grower? Is he a shower or a grower? I just, I imagine that when, I mean, he's probably a grower. Yeah. He's gotta be. Um, what I would imagine is, what I would imagine is that, like, yes, he's like, I feel like that, this is so fucking weird. I feel like the, like the texture of his, um, penis, it probably is hard like the rest of him but not like you i don't think it's like erect all the time yeah, unless he has like that, that like venom pumping because we talked about that in our our earlier episodes the whole theory behind how bella was able to get pregnant like can edward get an erection and the whole thing is that his venom circulates through his body in a way similarly like to blood i imagine that it it would be like not erect but still like firm and hard just like all of everything else but then yeah there's like extra like oomph when he's aroused so i mean but so he's not fleshy but like if you like squeeze his arm or something like is there give to him like is there is there like muscle and tissue kind of feeling or (laughs) i would just imagine like you said earlier jason like it's just like he's a moving statue so i feel like there probably wouldn't be like a yeah i don't think there's anything i think it's literally like I wish yeah, everyone listening it. to this could see all of us holding up our arms and squeezing <laughs> them back. Yeah, yeah just making fists. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining, I'm, I'm just imagining, like, um, I am imagining the look of a, of a non-erect penis right now on a human being. And then I'm imagining, what if you, like, poked it and it was, like, rock yeah. hard? Yeah. So it had the appearance of like a non-erect limp penis, but if you but it was not soft, and I think that would actually make my skin fall off in like a like yeah, like a statue. Yes, exactly. And that's what Bella knows. That's her experience with the male anatomy. That is all she knows. Um, yeah. Jason, mm-hmm. as, our ge- as our guest of honor, would you like to share with us who you would do, what, when, where you would stake in the heart? Oh, yeah. Um, but, oh, you know, no, mm-hmm. I thought of something. And this isn't even something that happened to me. This is like, this is a story. This is an anecdote that I heard. I, I can't remember who told me, but like I mentioned, oh, Starbucks. I like, oh, I I go, I frequent Starbucks, and I witness something. Like, you know, I'm so sorry for you. I see, I see stuff happen. So, like a friend of mine who's a customer is telling me that they go to this other store that's super busy, and they they like saw this thing happen where like a bunch of like young yuppies go. Um. And, like, this woman walked up. The barista, like, called out a name, set the drink down on the counter. And this woman walked up, took a sip, set it down and said, like, this is wrong. Like, this isn't, this isn't what I ordered. And the barista comes over and looks at it and goes, yeah, it's not yours. 
I'm like, called, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like I, I called the name, and the woman was like, well, oh, and I think she had already been impatient. She had already like asked where her drink was, so she was just like assuming that it's hers. You know, she had the, the main character syndrome, and, and then, and then she proceeded to say, well, you have to remake their drink now. Like, yeah, I mean, you're talking to the well, fucking barista. They like, yeah, they know. They know that. The barista knows they have to remake the fucking drink. You just drank from it. You want to give that to the stranger? Like, no. Oh my God. Like, oh now you're going to wait longer. God. So I'm staking her. Oh, my God. Jason, I had, a visceral, I had a visceral reaction to you saying that. I cannot tell you. I love the cafe I work at. One of the things that I hate about the cafe I work at that yeah shout out to the firehouse it's it's great um one of the things that i hate is that people whether they're inside or outside can see everything that we're doing in our kitchen space um which is just annoying because then they decide to comment on it all the time and one of those things that happens is they will be watching us make a drink and they're like i said no cream and you're like well good thing this isn't for you shut the fuck up christ I get so annoyed mm. because they're like commenting and getting mad at me for making someone else's drink. And it's like, this isn't butt out. Hey, stop watching us. Like, this isn't yours. I hope you feel bad about yourself. I hope you feel embarrassed for what just happened. No perception. Oh. It's that main character thing. No. And like people, <sighs> whatever. I had a, I had a week with customers at work this week um stake them all okay there is this one guy who i will stake because he keeps trying to talk to us about bitcoin you know what? <laughs> this is the guy i'm gonna stake so this week this week we've had there is a guy who lives close to the cafe and you know i'm sure that he's just a totally fine person when you don't have to work around him like when you're not a server um, but also, like, if you're annoying to servers, are you really that good of a person? Uh, um, but he has been coming in. We open at 7, and he has come in. He went came in every morning this week at 6 a.m. And, like, worked in the cafe, which I had no say in. If I had had say, I would have said no. Like, we open at 7. We need boundaries because some of the regulars literally think they own the place and they can do whatever they want and they treat yeah. you like it. And it's yeah. like, I don't care if you're here every day. This is a place of business. Like, this guy, before we were open, this is a thing. People will come right when we're opening or before we're opening and they wait outside. They're like, waiting, waiting, waiting. And I intentionally keep the doors locked because I do not want to deal with anybody until we're open. Honestly, even like 30 minutes after we open, I'm like, I don't want to see any of you. What are you doing here right now? Mm -hmm. Go home and sleep. It's cold outside. I don't know. But this guy uh, coming in to do work. We're not open, which he has permission to do. Then he talks about Bitcoin every chance he gets because he's into Bitcoin and he has a Bitcoin business and he's literally sure he does he does he talks about it. my coworker and I are so fucking sick of him trying to tell us about Bitcoin and how we should get into Bitcoin we're like no we're not getting into Bitcoin but 
thing I'm going to stake him for <laughs> specifically is that while he was there, which was a really nice, like a privilege, it was very nice that he was allowed to come into our space an hour before we open so that he could like concentrate on his computer work that he couldn't do. Like he couldn't focus on it at home or something. It's already very nice that he's there. It's already crossing a boundary essentially for him to be there. And then he let someone into the cafe. <gasps> I was pissed because I had to go out and like unlock all of our chairs and stuff. And I saw this woman coming down the sidewalk who's another regular. And I was like, uh, the doors were locked. Again, I locked them behind me. I did not unlock them. Um, and I saw her coming. And so I intentionally, instead of going in through the front door as I usually would, because it's closer to all the chairs and stuff. I was like, I don't want to deal with her trying to sneak in after me. So I saw her coming and I like waved and I walked past her and I intentionally went through the back door because I knew she was going to the front door. And I was like, if I go to the back door, I'm not going to have to worry about like dealing with her right now. Um, I, I got into the cafe. She had gotten in. The doors locked. And this other woman was behind her also coming in. Because Jesus our door Christ. Our door, if it gets opened, you have to make sure you intentionally close it. Otherwise, it kind of stays like, hey, sorry, I'm going on a really long tangent right now. I apologize. That's okay. Um, this is the time. You have to, like, really, really close it or else this kind of thing can happen. So, like, after this guy let her in because she got there before opening and was, like, knocking at the window and he decided that, oh, I have the say, and this is my space now, so I get to let people into the cafe, even though it's not open, and the baristas are here doing work to get it open. Like, just so frustrating when you're not actually open, and then suddenly there are four people asking for an Americano, and you're like, how the fuck did you even get in here? Like, wow. So Stay. Anyway, does that guy, like... Making him... Does he know the owner or something? Like, what... He just lives across the street. He asked one of the baristas earlier in the week, and she is nicer than I am, and said yes. And then it became a whole uh. week thing. And by that, by the time I was working at the end of the week, it wasn't like I could be like, no, actually, you're not allowed to be in here because the precedent had already been set that he was allowed to be in there. It was really frustrating. But anyway, staking him, staking in, staking all the other customers who can feel that the fucking door is locked but sneak in anyway because it didn't get closed all the way after, like, the first one snuck in. I just... Why do these people think they're so important? Like, I will never, ever grasp that concept. Like, you, the entitlement is just... No, seriously, it sometimes, like, working there, as much as I love it, sometimes working there feels like you're in, like, a theater lounge for older adults, is what it feels oh like. Oh, my God. They literally do whatever the fuck they want. Like, uh, and some of them, like, I do love, like, one man comes in and does art stuff, and he tie-dyes, but then he leaves a mess. He leaves his tie-dye rubber bands, like, all over the place. Or people come up and they just, like they leave their trash everywhere after you've told them so many times, like, don't do that. This is <laughs> like, not just, a community center. This is a place of business. Like, Oh, and they like rearrange <sighs> all the furniture. They are really loose about their masking. They always like, it's like once they're in there and they're sat down, it's like, they don't put their mask on until they leave, even if they're getting up to go to the bathroom. And then they're like, Oh, whoops. And they pull their shirt over their nose while they, like, die. go to do something. Die. It's just like, 
<laughs> I'm just, I've had it. I've had it with them. I'm very frustrated and I just will want more boundaries. Honestly, I don't want to work somewhere that's really corporate. It is so community-based right now that I'm finding that I'm like craving a corporate structure. I'm craving to work at a business that does not give a shit about the people who shop there. <laughs> just, it's so hard right. because the problem is not your business. It's the customer base. Like you can be a customer who like, you know, treats your barista like a human fucking being and is like, and like, you know, it's not like a corporate space and you can have like a positive relationship with the employees there, but that doesn't give you permission to just like treat it like your own home. Like you still, you need to treat it like you're in someone else's space because you are. I just like, don't understand that. Wow. When you do finally exit that job, that will be great. I love, I love everything about it, except all that stuff that I just talked about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, my staking is in a different realm from the service industry. Um, so I am a graduate student in a, in a university setting that has undergraduates as well. And I rely on the actors within my department to do readings for my workshop class. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say what you guys think I'm going to say, but I am going to say something in that vein because you already know all about that. Um, But if you are a student, specifically an undergraduate, because I don't have these problems with the graduate level actors, because the graduate level actors are usually adults who have been working in the professional industry for a while and are like, I want to go back to school. Like I want to further my craft. We have very few MFA students who like are fresh out of undergrad. Um, The undergrads just like don't check their email. And so it's like, I need five human beings who can read a goddamn line without sounding like a robot to read my play on October 11th. And I had to wait four days for an undergraduate to email me back no I'm too busy so that was four days and I'm trying to assemble a cast I'm trying to find a rehearsal time and like I don't need you to be perfect for the role I just need you to be a human who can read it just like blows my fucking mind that you're just like in the theater department where you get emails like that and you're not checking your email or getting it pushed to your phone and what ends up happening is you're making me fucking wait And this is like my class and I need to know. And if you can't do it, that's fine. Like that's totally fine. Like you have no obligation to do this for me. It's a volunteer basis. But like, can you tell me within like 24 hours? Is that too much to ask? Like it just like, and so now I'm in the position where like I have a rehearsal scheduled for Tuesday. Like it's gonna happen. And I don't have my lead cast because someone made me wait four days for them to tell me no. And then I emailed someone else and it's been two days and they haven't replied yet. And I'm like, I don't know how else to get a hold of you people. Like, and I tell all my students, I'm like, if you were in the theater department, right? Like what you need to do right now, cause they're mostly freshmen. I'm like, you need to download the Outlook app for your phone and get your emails pushed to your phone. Yeah, like, check your just, fucking day. Just check it, it's just like, so I am, I am staking all the undergrads who have ghosted me and made me wait only to give me a no. 
That is not cool. That is not cool. It's a waste of my time. This is my fucking class. Like, I get that you're busy, but it takes 30 seconds to read an email. And it's easy to see. Like, I get, like, 50 emails a day. And most of them I don't open because it's from, like, the Ohio University Athletics Department. Like, I don't need to open that. But, like, I have trained myself and my, like, I go through my email each night and I look for the outliers. Like, okay, what's out of the ordinary? Anyway, you are never too young to learn how to check your email. You're never too young. No. We, I think we all got out some uh, frustrations. <laughs> yeah. Jason, do you feel like you, uh, you have a better understanding of, um, oh. of Twilight now? Yeah. I understand now why parents didn't want their children reading it. <laughs> if, my, if my little ones pick up this book, I go, no, you're not reading that. Why? Because it's about sex? And it's, no, because it's shitty writing and it portrays, you're not reading that garbage. You are reading Jane Austen and Ta-Nehisi Coates. You're going to like it. My kids are not reading Twilight. They're going to read the classics. They're going to read A Court of Thorns and Roses. They're going to read The Hunger Games. Okay? <laughs> Only the best of the best in this Lord house. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Harry, Rings. Harry Potter with, with parent commentary. Exactly, yes. Okay, now, how did we um, feel when we read, when we learned the name of the character Cho Chang? We felt angry. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Good, good. Um, Jason, we're so happy to have you here. Oh, one of our one of our good there. friends. And yeah, wish this was IRL. I would love to be able to hang out. Oh, don't even. Oh, wow. I, I said it I, too late. I hope I'll get to sit to see to see you two next summer. Yeah, yes. it's gonna be a I blast. It's gonna be a so fun. celebration of marriage. That's right. Yeah. The best kind. Gabby and yeah. I um, live snapped each other during your virtual ceremony. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. <laughs> we did. Yeah. It was very sweet. We were both crying. Yeah, we were. We both shed tears. Yeah. That was um, Well, we love you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to, to prepare for, too. If you want to come back in some later books to see what the deal is, well, sure. you are more than welcome. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll join us next that. week. Join us next week when I'm, I'm pretty confident I can say we'll be discussing Midnight Mass on Netflix. Ah, yes! Yes! So... So long, suckers. And just keep your eyes peeled for uh, sexy, sparkly vampires. Goodbye! Mm -hmm.